Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that into the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. If we give our first part of our day to God, look at the rest of the day that He is able to bless. But I know a lot of people that never think twice about God until they get home, and then their prayers are more like a gripe session. Well, God, I can't believe this happened. Well, they hadn't thought about God all day long. Or how about whenever, you know, do they read their Bible in the morning while they're drinking their coffee, or do they turn on the stupid weather person in Denver and everything and look at the traffic and everything and never think twice about God? Do you seek first the kingdom of God? Do you put God in first in everything that you do? Because if you do, everything that comes after it, God is able to bless. But when we wait until the very end, whether it be a problem that we have or whatever the case may be, if you leave God completely out of it and then at the end go to Him and say, Well, God, He doesn't have a lot to work with. How many times have you heard the saying, um, Well, I guess all, now, all we can do now is pray. You should have been praying in the beginning. Maybe it wouldn't have happened. But a lot of people say, You know, you say that God blesses the leftovers and that I should put God first. Well, you know what? I'm busy. I don't have time to pray or read my Bible or think about God during my commute or while I'm waiting on that truck to come in or while I'm checking cattle or anything like that. I don't have time for all that. I don't have time to be blessed by God. Really. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus Himself says, You ask Me for anything in My name and I will do it. But what that implies is that you're talking to Him about it first and you're not the one that's going to do it. He is. Quit making things so hard. We want to try to lean on our own hands and, and, and works and all of that and then we wonder why it just plummets off a cliff. We've got to seek first the kingdom of God. Don't make it hard. Don't tell me that you don't have time to be blessed by God because that's what He's wanting to do. He's wanting to bless you. And all He asks is for you to seek Him first in everything. Not just the churchy things or anything like that. He wants us to seek Him first in everything. With everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we feel. Well, I don't have time for a blessing. Well, that's your own fault. Some people say, and I'm just going to use this as an example because I think everybody from, from this big to this big will be able to understand this. If you take a cowboy, let's say you take two cowboys. You've got, you've got Dave and Jared. <laughs> this is fixing to get good. Let me flip a coin to see who gets the raw end of this deal. Not really. You got two cowboys, and, and let's say that they made the same amount of money that I made on the ranch at San Pedro. They make $100 a month. Do you think I'm joking? When you make $600 a month and you have a $500 truck payment, you make $100 a month. So anyway, you make $100 a month, and the first cowboy gets his paycheck, and he takes a $10 bill, 
and he gives it to a church or American Cancer Society, or I don't care where you give it. Um, he gives $10. He has $90 left over that the Lord will bless. He has 90 bucks that the Lord can bless. Then you take the other cowboy who gives the same amount, $10, at the end of the month, if he still has it. If he still has it. So he gives the same amount, but he struggles in his finances. He doesn't have anything. He's always coming up short in this or that and just struggle and struggle and struggle. And he says, I give 10% when I have it. And I'm not asking y'all for money. I, it's not, it's just an illustration. But whenever you give first, God blesses the leftovers. If you're giving Him the, the last of what you might have left over after you've done everything that you want to do, there's not a lot for God to work with. In Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, the Bible says, There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. Let me paraphrase that. There's one that gives everything. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about, about time, energy. They give it all to God. They seek God first. And they have everything that they need. And then there's another one who tries to keep everything to himself. He, he takes, you know, me first. If I have time left over, I'll help somebody else. Or if I do the everything, it's me first. Me, 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 me. And it says, and there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want. Never can get enough. It doesn't matter how many toys, doesn't matter how many clothes, doesn't matter how many cars, how big the house is, how many horses, how many cattle. It's never, never enough. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. In other words, you can't outgive God. And before you go to thinking, well, you know, that's a tithe and sermon and everything, how about this? You know what I'd like for you to give more than anything? Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. How much is that sorely needed in today's society? How many of us would love to have somebody else give us the benefit of the doubt sometime? Giving isn't just about money, but it's not. There is that part too. Malachi 3.10, everybody knows it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. My house, and test me now in this. I'm not for certain, but I think that's the only time in the Bible that God says, test me. And why does He say, test me in this? He says, if I uh, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. But yet there are people that say, well, you know what? I can't afford a blessing right now. I just can't afford a blessing. Really? You know what I'm saying? How can you not afford a blessing? How can you not afford a blessing? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be patience whether it be the benefit of the doubt. Give someone. Give. Don't think of yourself first. Seek first the kingdom of God and love others in whatever form or fashion God leads you to do it in. Luke 6.38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured in your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. God blesses the leftovers. 
Do you seek Him first? In the king? Do you seek first the kingdom of God or do you seek the kingdom of me? Do you seek the kingdom of easy? Well, I don't have time for a blessing or I can't afford a blessing. How can you not? How can you not make time for prayer? How can you not make time to thank God? How can you not afford to give somebody the benefit of the doubt if we want that given to us? And lastly, some people say, well, you know what? I have too many worries and too many problems to bother with God right now. When my life gets straightened out and things get a little easier, then I'll start going to church or I'll start reading my Bible or I'll start praying or I'll do this and everything like that. I don't, I've got too much going on. I'm depressed. I'm anxious all the time. I'm worried. My, my stomach stays in knots. I'm just a nervous wreck all the time. And when I start feeling better, then I'll be able to give to God. It don't work like that. In Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 33, Jesus says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothes? Wish my wife was here. And why worry about <laughs> and why worry about shoes? <laughs> Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, and gone tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. How much does that scare you? Let me read that again. So don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and do the right thing and He will give you everything that you need. It doesn't get any simpler than that right there. It really doesn't. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and He will give you everything that you need. Yet we're all worried. We're all anxious. And the answer is as plain as a writing in a book. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, which means do what you're supposed to do and He will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. Does anybody have one or twelve of those friends that don't ever call unless they need something? I think we've all had those type of friends before. Maybe, as some, and I'm not going to say maybe, I think we have all at different times in our lives been one of those people. Is that how your relationship with God is? Don't think twice about Him until you need Him. Is God your bail bondsman to get you out of a wreck? Or do you seek first the kingdom of God 
above all else. You care more about what he thinks. You care about more what he says than your buddies. You care more about what he wants out of your life than what you want out of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make time for God first and he will be there when you need him. I can't afford to give. I can't even afford to give somebody the benefit of the doubt. I can't afford to have patience with somebody. That's a luxury that I cannot give. Bull. If you want it from someone else, start giving it first. You can't outgive God and He sees it. God will provide everything for the person that truly seeks Him first. Guys, this is serious. If you never hear another word I say, forget all of that stuff about, well, Christians don't do this, and Christians don't do that, and Christians don't do this, and Christians don't do that. Man, throw all that in the dumpster. Better yet, take it out to the burn pile and just set a torch to it. What I want y'all to do, whether you're sitting here listening on the radio or watching on the internet, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Jesus said that's the most important thing. That's it. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Everything that you need will load right up in that trailer when you seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for... Your message today, and God, I just know the profound impact that it has, has had on my life. God, I thank you for, for what you've done uh, in this community, and not only this community, but communities all across the nation and all across the world of how you are moving in people's lives. And God, I praise you right now for the, for the testimonies that I will receive, whether it be through phone, through person, or through email, about how people sought you first and how they feel less anxious, less worried. God, you are mighty. You are working in people's lives. And God, I could see it in people's eyes. And I could, I just know that people are watching right now. And they're, you are talking so loud to them right now that you are saying, seek me first and let me bless you. Let me take care of you. Let me guide you. I know where you should go. I know what you should do. Seek me first and let me handle the rest. God, don't let them leave here today without that message in their hearts. Don't let them turn the computer off or, or switch the radio station. Let them hear you say now to seek you first. Because above all else, you absolutely love them. You love them so much that you sent your son to die for them. That one moment in history when the world did revolve around us, when your son paid the ultimate price on the cross, not just for the sins of yesterday, not just for the sins of today, but for the sins of tomorrow and for all kind, for those, all time for those that call on you as Lord and Savior. God, there's going to be a difference made today. People are turning to you right now. We thank you and we love you. And it's in your name. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. (laughs) Okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. 
It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else. I hope you've enjoyed the leftover blessing. It's been one of the uh, highlights of my walk with God and, and realizing to put Him first. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you tuned in today, and I just want you to know that we're here praying for you. And if you need to get a hold of us, you just go to SaveTheCowboy.com, and we'd be glad to visit with you. And thank you for your support, and thank you for everything that y'all do listening in and tuning in every week. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. A couple of years ago, a friend of mine came out to the ranch to do some quail hunting. Before he came, he asked me if it was alright if he brought his German short-haired bird dog. I kind of laughed and told him that we didn't have those cute little nice bobwhite quail. Bobwhites will fly a little ways and then all huddle up in a nice little bunch and wait for you to shoot them. I explained that we have blue quail out here. These things get as big as chickens and fly about six miles every time they fly up. They will repeat this six-mile mission about 22 times before they will finally bunch up. You gotta be real quick with the gun. They'll let you get close before the first time they fly. You probably won't see them before they do, and when they come up that first time, you better have your game face on. He still wanted to bring his dog, and I didn't have a problem with it at all. I explained that when they fly up, you watch where they land and then pick you a spot about 300 yards in front of that and then go there as quick as you can. If all this works out right, you might come back with one or two birds. My friend said, to heck with all that running. That's why I brought the dog. I smiled and told him that I'd forgot about the dog. I asked him to relay all my instructions to the dog. Boomer, that was the dog's name, had never seen blue quail either and might not understand the plan. I was told that Boomer didn't have to understand any instructions. His instructions were inherited. If his instructions are inherited, why is he wearing a training shot collar, I asked. The reply came back, just in case he leaves his inheritance in the truck. Well, the next two coveys flew up about ten minutes later and that's when it happened. Boomer's understanding of his role in this endeavor went straight out the side of his head when that jackrabbit jumped up in front of him. Boomer didn't know what to do, but I think some of that inheritance understanding told him to forget about the dang birds. That dog made a 90-degree turn after that jackrabbit, and he left out. My buddy seen the whole thing, and he wasn't happy. I'm not sure if it was because of the dog or my gut-wrenching belly laugh. He yelled at the dog and then reached down and hit the shock button. Boomer didn't even break stride. That dog was persistent. I'll give him that. My friend did some quick adjusting and hit the button again. Boomer might have flinched ever so slightly, but he was still like Top Gun on a MiG fighter. These buttons on that shot collar are now all being turned to make you lose control of bodily functions level. My amigo had always been yelling at the top of his lungs, Here, Boomer, come here! That same phrase as loud as he could about six times. The last phrase, however, wasn't near as loud. It had a very menacing tone to it. It consisted of one word. Boomer. That one word kind of rose in pitch on the last syllable, kind of like your mom used to use when you were about to get in serious trouble. Boomer kept right on going. I was standing on the top of my truck now. This was better than a Dallas Cowboys football game. My friend reached down and hit the big red button one last time. Young Boomer yelped and fell right on his face, and he got up and looked around. He didn't understand what had just happened. His inheritance told him that lightning had just come out of that jackrabbit's butt and tagged him on the head. Boomer didn't want any more jackrabbits. He got to stay at the house the rest of the day. Boomer was just supposed to find the quail. He knew that, but he got distracted by something that seemed better at the time. I think we can all relate to that. He would have enjoyed the day a lot better if he would have just understood what his purpose was. He didn't have to be good at that purpose. He just needed to try to be good at his purpose. His purpose was to find the quail, that's all. 
Our purpose is to love and trust God. That's all. In Psalms 14, 2 and 3, it says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all people. He wants to see if there are any who understand. He wants to see if there are any who trust in God. All of them have turned away. Have you turned away? Have you become distracted by the jackrabbits of this world? You don't have to be good and trusting and loving God. You do, however, need to be good at trying to love and trust God. Don't get sent back to the house to sit in a cage. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and stay out hunting with Him for eternity. For Save the Cowboy, this is Kevin Motherby. Hey, before we go, we got one more story for you. We hope you enjoyed that last one. And be sure and check us out again and be back here next week at the same time. Adios, amigos. The Greatest Cowboy Alive One day in a bar, a man was bragging about how tough he was. He boasted of his strength over man and beast and how he was man's man if there ever was one. A cowgirl who was standing close by said, The toughest men I ever saw were cowboys and you couldn't hold a candle to them. The man made a bet with the whole bar that he would become the greatest cowboy there ever was and prove once and for all that he was the greatest man alive. He went to a cowboy he'd often seen having coffee at a local cafe every morning. He asked the cowboy what he must do in order to become the greatest cowboy. The old cowboy was thoughtful for a moment and then said, In order to become the greatest cowboy ever, I reckon you'll have to learn the way of the rope, the way of the horse, and the way of life. If you could become the best of all three of these, you'll be the greatest cowboy ever. The man left and went straight to the feed store where he bought a rope. He signed up for roping lessons and devoted all of his time and energy to learning the way of the rope. Years later, the man was winning rodeo after rodeo in the steer trip and calf roping and team roping. Finally, after winning the world championship in all three events, he decided that he had learned the way of the rope. He then set out on the next leg of his journey. He found a cowboy that trained horses and studied under him for years. He learned how to halter break, train the horses to ride, and even beyond that, his horse became known as the best horses around, and people came to him with all their horses. Finally, he had learned to break every type of horse there was and was world-renowned. He had finally learned the way of the horse and became the best in the world. On his last task, he took all the money from his rope and success and combined it with all the money from his training and bought the biggest ranch in the United States. He stocked it with the best cattle that money could buy and only had top-quality horses. His ranch was featured in Western Horseman American Cowboy, and there was even a story about all his success in the Wall Street Journal. They called him the greatest cowboy alive. With this new title, he went back to the little cafe and found the same old cowboy sitting at the same old table in the same old chair. But to his surprise, there with the old cowboy was the cowgirl that had first made the challenge to him in the bar all those years ago. The man swaggered up to the table and threw down a copy of the paper in front of both of them and smiled at her as he said, I told you that I was the toughest, greatest man alive. I've conquered everything that this cowboy said I had to do to become the greatest cowboy ever. The old cowboy sipped his coffee as he read the article. After a minute, he looked up and asked, What did the way of the rope teach you? That there was nothing that walks on legs or crawls on a belly that I cannot rope. The cowboy nodded his head and asked, What did the way of the horse teach you? That there is no horse alive that I cannot make do what I want them to. The cowboy looked thoughtfully and finally asked, What did the way of the cowboy life teach you? That I have the biggest, best ranch in the United States, and on this ranch is the best cattle and best horses that you've ever seen. Well, the cowboy said, I guess that settles it. So you agree that I'm the best cowboy that has ever lived, sneered the man? Nope, the cowboy said. What do you mean, no? I've done everything you said I had to do, the man said angrily. My granddaughter here is more cowboy than you are. Explain it to him, honey. The girl stood up and said we rope things in order to catch them so that we can give the animal medicine or help it in some other way. We learn the way of the horse so that we can give the horse purpose and become a partner with him in order to do our jobs effectively. The cowboy way of life teaches that we are all servants. We tend the herds that feeds us. We care for the animals that help us. 
and we protect our land so that it will support us. When she sat down, she said it's the spirit and the truth that lives inside every true cowboy that determines what he is, not the things he can or cannot do. John 4, 23 and 24 says, But at this time, 